All right, so today is November 2nd, 2015, and we are on AC training number 10 of 10. Awesome. So when you, before you got it, before this became a natural, just natural thing for you, did you ever, I mean, I thought I was doing pretty well, actually, and then, as I said, really the couple weeks around the surgery and getting sick, I did very little. And so when I went back to do it again, I just thought everything was going to just come right back, and it it didn't seem to. Is that a common thing, or is that me? Like I've like lost what I all the progress I've made. No, you 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 never go backwards. What you learn is now part of your you know uh, your it's kind of like muscle memory. Okay. But in this case, intuitive memory. So no, you haven't lost it. You might feel a little bit rusty, and it might be your own insecurities kind of creeping up that make it feel like it's more challenging perhaps to do right now. But in reality, you can fall right back into it. So remember, just deep breaths, get nice and relaxed so that you can you can actually hear the animals with total ease. And remember, you're not doing any work here, which is the nice thing. So this is really, uh, you know, since you're sleeping so much and your body's obviously needing that amount of sleep, animal communication might be nice and light and easy to kind of trickle into your everyday. Um, just practice listening. You know, you okay. can do an exercise on your own, Mary, where uh, I actually did it this morning with one of my cats. Uh, I was just talking to her about how I can advance my skills. She's like, you need to listen more. I was like, my goodness, I thought I'd been listening. She says, yeah, but you can go even deeper. I'm like, okay. So she had me do, and you can try this, do a five-minute activity with one of your animals where you ask them to talk on whatever topic they want. And I did tell her this morning, give me a topic I know little to nothing about so I can really practice the art of listening and not jumping in with additional questions um, so I can just kind of record everything you're saying. So five minutes of just listening practice, not even dialogue, just listening. Okay. 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 All right. Um, and, Mary, do you know that I think we talked about this in the past, but it's important apparently, the universe is nudging me to remind you again, don't wait for this work to feel super, super comfortable before you decide you need to bring it out into the world, you know, if you're wanting to work with open-minded family and friends even more than you already are, um, because, you know, there's still times that even I, you know, it's like, oh, that sounds so crazy, and I've got to say that out loud to that person, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I even have moments like that. So don't think you have to wait for it to get comfortable or you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah. Just do it. Okay. Despite the discomfort. Discomfort is par for the course. It still is for me every now and then. So. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> it's all like a it is. It is. But I suppose that's because, you know, when we're outside of where we're, you know, everything we're familiar with is comfortable. And everything that we aren't familiar with or we don't have much what we define as an awful lot of experience in, we often deem uncomfortable. And since we're constantly talking with animals with different situations, points of views and ideas, all the information is almost always constantly new, right? Yeah. So you're going to be hearing some new stuff time and time again that's going to, you know, maybe make your boat waver a little bit. Yes. And yet I go ahead and say it anyway. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. So I've got three animals here. I've got a wild animal, a mountain lion, as well as two domestic animals that are still up for adoption. We've yeah. got Willie and Sa- Sapphira or Sapphira. So who did you want to begin with? Um, let's do the mountain lion. Okay, very good. 
So um, there's a little caption underneath this, and it reads, A Sun Valley man believes his dog was killed and his body taken after watching home surveillance footage that shows a mountain lion walking on his property. The footage comes after a mountain lion alert was triggered in Burbank after sightings in the last few days. Reggie Kumar reports from Sun Valley for today in L.A. on Saturday, January 4th. This was a couple years ago. Okay. So we can't see a clear photograph of this mountain lion, but that doesn't matter. We still have enough there to connect with him or her who really knows. My sense when I've talked with her and worked with her with students is it's a female. So for the sake of simplicity, we'll choose female gender. Okay. So let's both of us go ahead and connect with her. Could I ask a question real quick about the picture? The big two, are those her eyes? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep, <laughs> the way the, the light from the camera lens caught them. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right, so introduce yourself so she knows where you're coming from, and I'll do the same. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, fantastic. All right. So I heard her say, oh, you're back again. (laughs) So she's ready to work with us. So what I want us to do, Mary, is is go ahead and ask her some questions around this photograph that we've got of her. So go ahead and ask her first, why were you in a human neighborhood in the first place and not out in the wild that day? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, got lost. Okay, so she didn't get lost, so I'm going to have you go back and just re-ask her. Okay. I got looking for food. There you go. That's accurate. Good job. All right, and ask her, did you know specifically what you were looking for? I got small animals. Yes, very good, very good. So she knew she was looking for something that was small and that was alive, which would definitely put it in the animal category and not like a piece of garbage or roadkill or something of that sort. Well done. So ask her, this video camera captured you on surveillance. Now, she will to a degree because I've talked with her so many times, understand what that means. But ask her, what were you doing in a person's yard that night?
My God, that she saw a small animal. Okay, okay. So she was following stimulus, yeah, that she picked up. Okay, very good. Now ask her, did the dog seem surprised? Well, I'll tell you, she did encounter the dog, okay, that the man suspects. Did the dog seem surprised to see you when you met it in its yard? Wait, i got to do this again. Yes, I also got the word scared. Okay, very good. And just to clarify, the dog was scared, correct? That's what I got. Mm-hmm. First I said the dog was, first I got, dog was surprised, and then I got scared. Yes, this is good. Accurate, good. So now from, if you're willing, from the mountain lion's perspective, let's make a shift into her viewpoint. And I want you to give me a play-by-play, and all you're doing is you're witnessing the movie, if you will, of her experience. So we don't need to worry about, you know, suffering pain or anything like that because when it's over and done with, the dog is is gone at this point, and we just want to know, well, what's the story here? So give me a play-by-play. Ask her, how did you approach the dog? What did you do with the dog? Uh, How did you kill the dog? And then what did you do with the body? So we're just kind of following the storyline. Okay. Sorry, Mary. Okay. Well, I I saw a picture of her crouched down. Yes. Not walking into the yard, but crouching. Good. And continue with that play-by-play. We're just following the story. Okay. Um, I see... Th- look like the dog is looking around and barking, but it doesn't know what it sees. Okay, good. So there was some confusion on the dog's end, okay, is what I've gotten from her in the past, so you're correct, but looking around would indicate so. So what did she do then? I got a picture of her jumping. Okay, and where did she land? Okay, I got, let me go back, okay. I got right near the dog, and she okay. then grabbed it. Where? By the throat. Yes, good. Now, hang out with the, the story. We're not judging either being for their, what to them is a very natural action and reaction. What did she do then? Okay. 
Shook it. Okay, excellent. Good job for staying with it. And how did the dog ultimately die? I got a sense of a lot of blood. Excellent. Okay. Okay, so there was bleed out to a degree. Now, flip on over to the dog's perspective in the moment that, you know, he's being clutched in between the teeth of the mountain lion. Okay? And this is a really great practice for you as a communicator in maintaining a space of neutrality here where you're not getting sucked into the drama. You're just witnessing it because it was their life experience. All right. So in the dog's perspective, how did the dog die? Can't breathe. Okay, good. Now bring your awareness up to the dog's thinkability. Okay, they're in the brain. The brain's processing of thoughts. And describe to me, as the time went on, what was the thinkability of the dog like? Describe to me what's happening. The word limp comes to mind. Okay, limp or lymph? That it grew limp. Grew limp. Okay, good. The body did grow limp. Can can you see what's happening to the thought process, though? Okay, let me try. I'm thought. not sure. How do I get, like, how do I, do I do Go the same? The dog mentality, the mental All body. Right. You've got the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual aspect of the animal, right? And, of course, an animal is a whole being. But if you look at just the mentality part and you observe, okay, the the mountain lion has just initially gripped him. Here's where the dog's thoughts are and its ability to think. Fast, slow, something in between, for example. And now time is moving on. She's still got a grip on, on him or me, the dog in this case. And watch what happens to the thoughts. We're just watching time pass. I got it. Quit fighting. Yes, it did. Ask the dog why. It knew it was time to die. Yes. And it was, oh, this can't be, well, I got, almost it was at peace with it. Yes. Yes. The dog accepted that there was no way out of this. And he yes. wanted a quick death, so he's like, okay, I'll be okay with it. Which allowed him what? I'm sorry, what was the last question? The moment the dog decided that he wanted you know, to die. <laughs> or had peace with it, what did that create for him? I'm not sure. All I got is he was very peaceful. Okay. He was very peaceful. It allowed him to die. It did allow him to die. 
And was it, would you describe it as a slow death, quick death, or something in between? Let me write yellow. I got to do this, redo this because I'm not getting an answer. Okay. I would say in between. Okay. It wasn't okay. slow, for sure, and he had time to process it. Not that maybe that's my analysis, though. Maybe it was really quick, and you just processed. But it seemed like there was some processing time. But maybe okay, so all there the- was processing time. Did the dog? You tell me. Did the dog understand what was happening? Yes. Yes, he did. So there was enough process, enough processing time for him to understand what was happening. He knew he was going to die. The second he became peaceful with that idea, notice how quickly his spirit left his body. Wow. Yeah. So my point here is you can always get, remember, two sides of the coin like we've talked about in the past, whether, you know, it's even something as natural as predator and prey, get both their perspectives in the moment, you can always tune in to see the speed at which a being leaves their body, as well as the speed of which they're, like, at peace with death. I've talked with many animals over time, Mary, that are very sick or elderly, and they choose to keep hanging on to that body for whatever reason, many different reasons. Wow. Okay. Whereas this one was like, "Uh uh-oh, I see what's coming. I'm going to die now, and I'm cool with that. i got peace around that. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to go. Okay. Okay. So there's that generalization in my head that, that animals are all peaceful and about dying and easy to go and not necessarily, see. No, not necessarily. I talked to one dog who was released from her body five days ago by an owner. The owner asked me to ask the dog, where are you now? And I said, the dog actually is not fully transitioned. You may have released her at your home via in-home euthanasia. However, she's very much in the house. She has not fully transitioned yet. And the owner says, yeah, I knew that. I just needed Whoa. to hear it from her. So we, we help the dog to understand her, her reason for staying without fully crossing over. Is she was so concerned that her people weren't going to be able to handle life without her because she'd been with them for 17 years. Oh, my. Yeah, and once she heard from the owner, we're actually going to be okay. <laughs> she was like, swoop, I saw her fly, like like super dog over the, oh, you know, wow. the iconic rainbow. So wow. animals are all different. Yeah. Well, I think that's the biggest thing about this whole animal communication. We, you know, through condi- cultural conditioning, assume an animal doesn't have the wide range of feelings and thoughts, and even after all the study and work I've done, I still get... You know, my eyes open that <laughs> there are certain things I think, oh, it's it's this way when they die. Well, not necessarily. So yep. they're like humans. Yeah, a unique experience for all. Now, there tends to be trends. Almost all tend to cross flawlessly. You know, they know where they're going when they're going to die. Yeah. Um, I haven't had that one, you know. Um, <laughs> my boat hasn't been rocked on that one. They do all know where they're going to go when they die. But, but the process of getting there does vary. Yep. 
And good job being able to stay neutral enough to experience both perspectives. Well, I I realized what happened. I switched into really focusing, almost like a TV or a movie, what happened, Mm. not the emotions of what. Because normally if I had seen something like that, I would be a basket case. I would not do it. Even in a movie or something, I can't watch that. I have to leave. So, But this was different. It was like... I switched into, I was really focused on your questioning and what I was to ask and what happened. So it took, it took the emotion out of it, actually. So. Yes, in part because you didn't have emotional judgments in place of the fear, yes. the worry, the suffering, the, oh, that must have been terrible for that dog. Those are all judgments. That's projection, right? So instead, you really got it from their point of view. You valued the truth enough of their personal experience to focus on the questions, and that's how you were able to get to the accurate answers. You're going to want to do the same thing, you know, in those times when people say, oh, it's more challenging to communicate with my own animals versus one I don't know. Well, it is sometimes, sure, but the majority of the time, honestly, if you take a deep breath and you say to yourself, you know what, their perspective of life is far more important than what I think they might say. Then it kind of puts you in that frame of mind where you're going to hear accurately. Does that make sense? Yes. So this applies all over. (laughs) This ability to stay neutral. You did great. All right. So ask the lion or feel it. Watch it. You can experience it firsthand if you'd like. What did she do after the dog was dead? I got she ate part of it. Okay. Now ask her, did you move the body before you ate? Because she did eventually eat it, yes. But did she move the body first, or did she eat it right there in the yard? I got she moved it. Very good. Ask her, why did you move it? She didn't feel safe where she was. All right on. Good job. It was about safety. It's like, let's move this prey to a place of safety. Okay, she wanted to get safe. She wanted the food safe. Very good. So ask her, show me or tell me about the environment where you ultimately ended up eating your prey. I want you to look through her eyes or have her give you a description of the space.
Tall grasses. Good. What else? I don't know. I sense there's something else, but I don't know. Okay. Would you describe the space as feeling? If you'd feel the environment, was it a neighborhood or was it nature or something different? Uh, Possibly a field. Okay, good. Were there trees? Not many. Not many. Very good. So it wasn't a densely populated forest. Yeah, I get it might have been just on the outskirts of the town, uh, you know, headed towards the wildness, you know, wild. Um, But, yeah, you're right. Okay, good. So she started to eat it. Now ask her, did you eat all of it? No. No is correct. Good. Now let's ask her these questions. So ask her this. So did you understand that that dog was actually a family member of the humans who live there? She may or may not have understood it at the time. We're talking about at the time. Did you understand that? I got no. Correct. Now ask her, would you have still killed the dog if you understood there was a strong bond there? Uh, Yes. Ask her why. I got I was hungry. Very good. Very, very good. I ask that question because sometimes humans, communicators, get in their own way with stuff like that. They're like, well, aren't this animal supposed to be all like, well, if we know they got a bond, I'm going to leave them alone and pick a different one. (laughs) And it's like, "Mm, you really got to ask the animal. (laughs) (laughs) So ask her, if you were hunted by a man and the hunter killed you for, let's pretend for the purposes of food, How would you feel about that? Let me try again here. I'd be okay with it? Yep. Exactly. Is that something 
is that a trend or is that specific to an animal? I'm thinking I've had teachers tell me that when they <coughs> ask like cows and farm animals about you know being a part of the food chain that they're generally that they understand that they're part of the food, whole food chain thing as long as they're not you know like being abused or whatever that they're okay with that. Is that an individual animal thing or is that a trend? Like do animals in the wild understand like the whole food chain that they're there to you know Yeah, they I mean? generally do. They they do understand that's part of the cycle. They chose to be either a predator or a prey animal and they understand everything that comes with it. Predator <laughs> or prey animals tend to have very short uh life expectancies as a general rule. Predators longer but it can be a harder life, too, as a predator. So, yeah, they definitely do. Um, With your domestic animals, your cows, for example, uh, unique experiences you'll get. um, So there may be a trend, but it really depends how they're treated, how they're raised, how significant or scary even the end is for them. For some, it's not scary at all, and others, it really is. And it affects each one of them differently, just like fear affects different people differently. Sure. But I've talked with enough predator and prey animals over the years that it kind of gives me, um, I've stepped back from the, oh, don't shoot Bambi perspective, which I used to be all about. And I then, know. You know. My fiancé wanted to go hunting a deer. He, he didn't end up getting a license because of the draw. But um, he was like, do you mind if I go hunt a deer? I said, no. I said, you know what, that animal gets to live its life in a natural way until it's death. Our cows certainly wish they had that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, good. Okay. So ask her, were, have you ever been a mountain lion before this lifetime? I got yes. Yes, is correct. Ask her, will you be a mountain lion in a future lifetime, do you think? No. Correct. I get probably not. So that's the no. Do you feel how the answer of yes and no have a distinct different feeling to them? Yes. Sometimes, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. To me, the you yes, know, it comes what? in, for me, yes comes in stronger, I think. Okay. 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 However it comes in for you, what's sometimes nice to practice sensing energy, Mary, uh, of the answers that animals give is, you know, if you get two opposite answers, yes to this question, no to that one, it doesn't matter what the original question was, but feel that yes, go back to it and sit with it. Huh, that's what her yes feels like to me. That's what her no feels like to me. It just gives you an extra moment of practicing sensing energy, which is what telepathy is, right? Yeah. Okay. So that'll help deepen your skills too. Okay. Awesome. All right. Do you have any specific questions you want to ask her? No, I think we ask a lot. <laughs> All right. Let's thank her. 
And who do you want to work with next? Uh, Willie. Okie dokie. So I gave the okay to go ahead and read the biography. I actually wanted you to because I wanted you to kind of get the idea of, okay, this is what a person wrote up about Willie. Yeah. That description. Now let's get from Willie's perspective. Is that an accurate portrayal, in his opinion, (laughs) of of him? So um, I'm Willie. I'm a one-year-old black male Great Dane. I'm a little nervous and easy around kids. I just don't quite get them. Okay. So let's go ahead and introduce ourselves to Willie, keeping that in mind. All right. Okay. Great. So ask him, Willie, how do you feel about children? I got, I like to chase them. Okay, so let me check on that. Do you like to chase children? He says, yes, sometimes. Good. I got a sense of running and playing. Okay, good. Now ask him, what age group of children are you running and playing with? Like young ones, six, seven, eight-year-olds. Okay. So I get something different. I get older. I get around the age of 10-ish, which isn't that far off from what you've got. Now present him with this scenario. Show him a three-year-old. And, you know, everything that three-year-olds do, how they move, teeter-totter around the house, grabbing everything. And how does he feel in their presence? Uncomfortable with them. Good. Find out why. He doesn't know what they're going to (laughs) do. Very good. Ask him, well, can't you just watch them to figure out what they're going to do? He says their their movements and the way they are, it's erratic, so we can't predict or get a sense of of them. Very good. You're right on. Now ask him, can you understand the movements of adults? 
I got yes before you finished the question. Can I ask him, why can you understand adults but not children? Well, that age group. Adults are, well, first I got the word slower, but then it was like they're more settled. Yes. And they're like thinking, even the word thinking came up. Yes. Where the little ones are, you know, just kind of bouncing from thought to thought and movement to movement. Very good. So ask him, who's more in the present, the children or the adults? children? Yes. And with it comes spontaneity. Okay, that's the bouncing of their thoughts from one thing to the next. You're right on. I heard him say, yeah, adults are easy to follow, not just in their movements, but their thinking. He can follow their thinking and match it to the adults' actions. They tend to think before they do. Children, not like that. You get what you get. It just shows up in the moment. That spontaneity, that being present in the moment is um, a bit, makes them uncomfortable. <coughs> okay. Good job. Wow. Smart dog. <laughs> now, not all animals, not all domestic dogs have that point of view. Some have more than that. <laughs> I had of spontaneity. Yeah, we had one like that. Bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. All right, excellent. So when we look back at the second second sentence, it says, "I'm a little nervous and uneasy around kids. I just don't quite get them." So now that you've talked to the dog, would you say that whoever the author of that? biography was, was accurate with that sentence or close enough to being accurate? Um, I would say close enough for the safety of the family adopting him. He does get them, but I'm sure his behavior looks like he doesn't know what to do with them, which to me, you shouldn't, he shouldn't be in a family with young kids. Okay. So Very I would good. say, yeah. Good. <laughs> job. Now, that's advantageous to kind of consider as an animal communicator because if you have somebody come to you and say, hey, here's a picture of a dog I'm thinking of adopting. Here's what his bio says. And they ask you, can you tell me, I mean, really, truly, how is he going to be with kids? Well, you have a little bit to go on. You ask him about that little bit and see where he really stands. Yeah. And then you could tell that person, you know, I really do think he's going to be best in home without kids. And here's why I think it. Here's what I'm getting from him. Okay, cool. All right, so it says next, I've spent most of my time running around on lots of land and being the puppy that I am. I just love to chase the chickens and the rabbits and play all day. All right, so let's look at the chickens. So from his point of view, ask him, 
Why are you chasing chickens? Well, he likes to run, but I got a sense again he he can't quite figure them out. Okay, yes, you're right. He can't quite figure them out. Um, what if an owner was, the potential owner was to say, well, can you find out, does he chase chickens because it's fun, or is he doing it for aggression, like, you know, strong prey drive purposes? Okay. I got fun. Yes, you're right. And that's key to know if you're thinking about adopting a dog and bringing it on your farm if you've got chickens. Another key thing you'd want to know is ask him this. So if the potential owner says, well, can you discover if he was to corner a chicken where the chicken could not escape, what would he likely do with it, if anything? I got both answers. First I got nothing, that they wouldn't do anything to it, and then I got he'd chomp on it. So I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Okay. So that means we, need to, we got two opposite answers, so we need to yep. go back to square one. So here's what I do. I present the animal with the visual scenario. So show him the chicken in the corner. The chicken is obviously going to be scared and flustered and moving around and doing all those things a, a cornered chicken would do. Okay, and then there's him. He has full choice in the moment to do what he wants. So you create that picture for him, and then you let go of it, and you ask him, what would you do in that scenario, and watch. Okay. God, he would let it go. Yes. After doing what with it, though? Would he pester it a bit more? Yes, with his nose. Yes. So I would give the lowdown to the owner of if he cornered it, what he's showing me is pestering it, using his nose, he's using front paws. He's, I mean, he's really, like, poking at it is what I see with his face. Um, so that's going to drive the, the chicken, you know, into the extreme fear. But I don't see him killing the chicken. And eventually the game's over, and I see him walking away. The chicken being terrorized, but, but you know, I don't see bloodshed. 
And then I would say, you know, with that said, of course, you could have a different chicken who puts up a stronger fight or suddenly does ignite that prey drive within him like it could in any dog. But in this scenario, my sense is he'd actually be okay with it if you're okay with him terrorizing your chickens, which he may do if he corners them. So it's kind of like giving the person everything you see, but also kind of putting in there, do understand different chickens and different, you know, seconds in time this dog could show up different. But here's what I'm getting and it's probably going to be fairly accurate. Okay? Yeah. Good. All right. He chases rabbits. Now it says, I, st- I am still a little mouthy, but I'll grow out of that. Hmm. So I, as the potential owner, say, ask him, what does being a little mouthy look like? I see him putting his mouth around, like over things, not biting down, but um, I see a lot of slobber. Yes. And I don't see him biting down. Correct. Now, the follow-up question, potential owner says, well, what about on my arm? Would he mouth my arm, or is he only mouthing objects like toys I give him? Can you clarify? I saw mouthing an arm. Okay. Yep, and don't be afraid to tell people that. Okay. Correct that I, too, don't see him biting down. <coughs> ask him, why are you doing this mouthing on people's bodies? That it feels good to him on his teeth. Good. And what kind of mood is he in when he generally does it? Playing. Yes. Good job. So ask, um, do you understand that a lot of people don't like being played with by a dog in that way and they prefer you to keep your teeth in your mouth? No, he doesn't understand. Okay. So explain it to him in whatever words you want to use. And go ahead and say it out loud. Um, You know, Willie, a lot of humans do not like to have your mouth on them. Um, It makes them feel worried that you might be using your teeth, the mouth, he might go into teeth. Um, It makes them feel very uncomfortable when you do that. Also, all the slobber and the saliva makes a mess, so they really don't like that done to them. Good, well done. Even though you're playing, they'd wish you would find a different way to play with them. Good. Now educate him on what he could play with that the people might really like seeing in that moment. He 
You could play with one of your toys. If they had toys, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the alternative is to give them to mouthing. You're right. I would say in those moments when you want to do that, why don't you go get a toy instead and bring it to your person? Go play with a toy. Or go roll around the floor and be silly. In other words, you're offering him substitute behaviors. He may not have thought of himself. Yeah, and I'm struggling because I've never had none of uh, I've always had dogs on my whole life. I've never had a dog that was mount, that did that. I mean, they either... Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm struggling here with that because even my little ones, you have to teach them not to, they chomp down. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, well, that's okay. As you encounter these animals with all these different, you know, predispositions to this or that behavior, um, you'll be able to kind of creatively stretch your mind into thinking, well, if I was a person, how would I feel about that? Well, I wouldn't like you putting your mouth on me because of, yeah, the slobber. And let me tell you, my, my sister has a great Dane. They slobber like crazy. <laughs> um, you know, but, and for all those other reasons, you know, human skin is fragile is the phrase I often use with such dogs. Oh, that's um, a good, yeah. Yeah, it's fragile. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's just kind of uh, be creative sometimes. Or, heck, you can go to the, uh, the owner or the potential owner say, well, how would you like him be, to behave so that I can relay that to him? What would you like him to do instead of mouthing you? It gives, yeah. it gives the owners who know him quite well, who may, if they own him, know him quite well to come up with an idea if in that moment you don't have one. Now, is this a particular dog thing, or are there certain breeds that, like, <laughs> that mouth? Yeah. Or is it an individual? It's usually puppies. It's a phase they go through. It's it's not so much a breed. It's a phase. Now, he's one years old, so he's still a puppy. The thing you got to know about um, large breed dogs like Great Danes, they mature very slowly. Okay. He'll be more adult-like by the time he's two years old. Whereas if you had a Chihuahua, they mature very quickly. It's like their mentality is just quicker to mature. Okay, that's good to know. Well, I did get the sense when I was reading about him before our session that he was very playful and sweet. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Playful, sweet, nice guy, uh, just needs to kind of learn his size. He doesn't realize that his big size, well, is like overwhelming sometimes to people in their space. Well, that's the thing. When you when I first read Mouthy, I'm thinking, yeah, my whole arm or half my arm could go down his throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it's not quite like that, but really, that's the yeah. other thing. Large dog. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> you learn these things as you go along. Yeah. All right. So um, I would say that the biography author was correct. He is still a bit mouthy, but I'll grow out of that now. That's a projection. The author is projecting he will grow out of that. Ask him. Do you think you'll eventually get to the point where you'll stop being mousy with others? I got if I have other things to do. Okay, very good. So there's a caveat there. It's not a straightforward yes. It's yes, but if I have other things to do, sure. (laughs) Sometimes biography writers write the the best, of course, and and they should. I mean, they certainly should. There's no wrongness in that. When I was searching for a dog, a chihuahua, I read everything with a fine-tooth comb that was written in the biography, and then I asked my questions around it. I wanted to see, well, just how much is this behavior 
an issue or a non-issue. Okay. And it's really just about asking them questions. All right, so as I know all of my all of my basic commands and I'm housebroken. I mean, those are certainly things you could check in with him on. Are you housebroken? Get his awareness on that. I'm also trustworthy, free to roam, with free roam. Now that's very interesting. I know. So go to him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> go to him and find out if that's true. Um, I got in certain situations he is. Good. Give me an example of a situation that he either tells you about or that you can sense, Mary, where he would not come when called. If there is a fast-moving creature or something running, I got the sense if there is something, even could be a, no, that part I'm throwing in. I'll just say a fast-moving creature, but okay. uh, that's bolting. I get the sense that he'd take off. Good. Now imagine he's taken off chasing that creature. A human's calling him back. Does he hear the human? Yes. Good. Does it compute? I get a visual of him stopping and looking confused. Okay. Yeah. It's because it doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah. It's because he'll hear he'll hear the voice, but in that moment he's too into the game. Yeah. To make heads or tails of what that word that he's heard many times before come means okay yeah so that was that part of the biography was not a good thing to put in there. <laughs> losing them oh my goodness all right so eventually the game's over he's tired now what does he do he goes back yep and if the back. person is upset because it took him forever, in their opinion, to come back. How does he feel about that? How does he respond to their emotional anger? I got he doesn't understand. Okay. So what part doesn't he understand? Why they're angry? Yeah. Correct. So explain it to him. Okay. Well, Willie... You are having fun, but by running away, your human didn't know if you were going to come back to them. They were afraid they were going to lose you. And that's why they got so angry with you. Good. So their worry turned into anger. Their worry turned. All right. Now how does he feel about that? Does he understand that? Yes. Yes, he does. Good. Now ask him, are you going to run off again like that in the future? <laughs> I got maybe. Yeah, I get probably. So probably maybe. We're not getting yes. We're not getting no. We're both getting about, you know, well, maybe or probably. <laughs> well, I kind of <laughs> got the sense, and again, this one I could be giving, because I have a little one of my multi-poos is just like this. He's the most house-centered dog ever, but if there's a scent 
because a couple times he's gotten out, he's gone. He's just, it, it's like he's in a whole different zone. So mm-hmm. I can't figure out if that's what I'm throwing on to this dog. But the maybe was like, eh, if something comes out, something else comes along running, probably going to be chasing it. So. Yep. <laughs> so sometimes owners are like, will you please tell my dog, I'll let them, give them, I'll give them more freedom if they just stay with me. Just tell them that, because I know they want more freedom to run and play and not have to be on a leash when we, you know, are walking out in the wilderness where there's nobody else around us. And, you know, sometimes I just have to say to the owner, okay, based on what I'm sensing, your dog is quite likely to repeat the runaway chasing something behavior. So I tell them, you know, it doesn't really help to be upset about it. So instead, take that information as, hey, that's just the way it is right now. This is who he is. This is what he's choosing. Um, Your words of giving him more freedom are not enough to overcome the, in this case, instinctual drive of his desire to play and chase that rabbit. So just kind of use that information to your advantage. Keep him on a leash if you don't want to deal with it. Because don't you, I had a, not an animal communicator, but a trainer of my dogs I took, and she talked about drives because I was asking her about this little guy of mine, and that's what she said, that they can be well-trained, but sometimes the drive just overtakes even the training. Do you think, do you feel that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there's some dogs out there who, you know, rabbits are very interesting to them, but they have far greater for whatever reason, uh, interest in their relationship and being well-mannered to the person where training is stronger than their drive. Every animal is different. Yeah. You, you've met children or um, you were a teacher, right? Yes. So you've had children. Some of them are just plain free spirits, and no matter yep. how many manners you give them or tell them to do things so many times, they're still going to be the free spirits that they are. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you <reel> them in. <laughs> Animals are like that, too. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right, what questions do you have? Uh, let's thank Willie. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Willie. And what questions do you have? Um, I think I think I'm okay. On, on, I don't think I have any, any more questions. Okay. You mean about this session or in general okay. or? Anything in general. Um. Could I have a couple more days to, I want to look at the, this is what I'm going to do, and if you say no, you won't do this, then I understand. But I really admit your homework page really has really good practice. And I've done some, and then I lost the page. I'm a little disorganized over here. But I thought what I would do in the next several weeks is, is um, before you, t- you know, if you just give me a couple of days, I'll take everything down and make a copy of it. And then do it. And then at some point, book a session with you. Would that be appropriate that we could go over it? Because I think all of those animals are really good practice, and I just was sad that I haven't had a chance to get them done. Oh, you mean the ones on the online Facebook page? No, not on the, that one I'm just going to do. But I'm talking about, you know, how our, the homework that I was supposed to be doing for you and I never got it all done at all. Those, yes, yes. Yeah, you've got an additional two weeks to do that anyway. I give everybody at the conclusion oh, yeah. oh. of the last class, you get two extra weeks anyway. I'm going to get it done because this today, do you think part of my ebook thing, I've noticed, not even with this class so much, but I have taken a couple other classes where you, at least one of the sessions you work with, Animals That Died, I'm not, I, don't, I haven't seemed to be as accurate 
with animals, and I know it shouldn't make a difference, but <coughs> for whatever reason, I have not seen as accurate. So when I did that, I did about seven of the animals in the ebook, um, and I was, you know, out of three questions, I, I would maybe get one right if that. Um, I wondered if that could that be because I know when I do have done your Facebook things. Um, I'm much. I'm more accurate, so yeah, I didn't so, know if that was part of the um, the problem yeah, there with people. No, there is no um, greater ease with uh, living versus past. However, where you stand right now with your current belief system, and hey, we've all got one, right? Um, yeah. There, you may just be finding it easier to work with those that are living. That's where your strength lies now. What you may wish to consider for yourself is be like, hey, okay, that's where I am now. I'm at peace with yes. that. And I'm just going to keep practicing more with living animals, you know, if, if I have the, the opportunity to choose. I mean, if you get a family friend who wants you to talk with their past ones, I, I wouldn't, unless it felt wrong in the moment, I wouldn't pass it up. It's an opportunity to learn. But yeah, stick with where your strengths are. And as you start to gain more momentum with the living ones, then yeah. when you feel ready again, start branching out to the past. Okay. okay. Now, I will tell you, some people find that they excel far more in doing this work when they do it live one-on-one with a person or by phone with a person. And if it's all written out in email, it just doesn't seem to, for whatever reason, work as easily for them. And then there's people that are just the opposite. And sure. there's people who find all three methods easy. <coughs> really go to whatever you find easy now and know from the easy positions you can branch out later on into what's more challenging because those challenging areas they're going to get smoother and easier for you to move into okay because i noticed today when we were working when there when you would say like get in the mountain lions you know from their perspective i could do that and kind of feel like the mountain lion where when i was trying to do that with um a couple of the ebook um, care. I couldn't do it. I, I just didn't feel like okay. I was. So. Okay. Um, that mountain lion right now, my sense is she's gone. She's passed. Okay. Wow. So you went into the conversation with the belief, probably. With the belief, yeah. She was still alive. Wow. Okay. Yep, there you go. So it's just about okay, belief. <laughs> in right. reality, you can jump to any moment in time that you want to and halt it, freeze frame it, study it, look at it as close as you want. And then you can jump to another time frame. You can go, we can talk with this dog Willie on the day one of his birth if you wanted to, when he was a puppy, before he knows, before he knew what he knows today by wow. making it your intention to go to Willie on day one. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's nice to do that, especially when you've got an elderly animal who's got aching hips and you're kind of wondering, huh, is this like something that's genetic? Did this animal have this, you know, is this, was this bo- or a congenial thing? Was this animal born this way? Yes. Or did it develop later on? You can go to when the dog was in its prime, say two, three years old. Oh, I don't feel that. Okay, so that's accurate information. You can say to the owner, I'm sensing his hips hurt now. I'm getting around the age of two to three. They did not. And the owner would say perhaps something like, well, yeah, he is 16. Vets have diagnosed him with hip dysplasia at this point. We didn't know he had hip dysplasia at two to three because he showed no signs, probably because he wasn't in pain then. Yeah. But if you feel it around the age of two to three, you could say to the owner, I sense it now, and I sense it around two to three. And ask the owner, has he had this? his entire life based on your experience? 
and the owner was, might say, you know, we've always noticed something was off with him. We notice it more now because he's elderly, but he's always had something off there. And that, too, is confirmation for you. Okay. I do, I do age comparisons all the time. It gives me more information. Yeah, it's a good idea, actually. Hmm. Oh. Okay. All right, my lady, you did fantastic, Mary. Good job. Uh, well, you're an amazing teacher. Okay, I have one other question. You okay. have on your website which I didn't quite understand, about a small not the Facebook practice, I get that, and I'm going to keep doing that because I think that's amazing, um, but a, like a small group practice for an hour? You know okay. what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, I'm probably not going to be offering that for a while. The okay. uh, interest level in people has really dropped in that. I only had, I think, one person, one person on the last call, and six had signed up. And I get that, you know, five people sometimes can't make the live call, but yes, yeah, for the sake okay. of to honor my time too. So at this oh, point, yeah. I'm going to run it. Um, I'm going to leave it up there because in six months, I'm going to probably feel where the energy is and see if. I mean, I have so much fun doing it. I don't understand why there more, <laughs> aren't more students wanting to do it with, yeah. with me, but that's just not where they're at right now. So I kind of go with the flow where students have their interest. But I will keep up the AC Facebook page because people are really, they continually sign up for that because they're obviously getting something out of it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of practice. So. Okay. All right, very good. Well, as I said, I'm going to, in the next two weeks, I am, I'm going to get this homework done. And um, again, you're, you are an amazing person. And as I go further out, I, I did see on a thing that you said every so often you could, like, book an hour session with you just to work with you. Yes? Are yeah, you still I like? offer half an hour mentoring session. Or half hour, yep. dollars Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's at a reduced rate. Um, you know, my normal half an hour for, for client sessions is 85, but I really want my students, any student who wants to work with me, to really get good at yes. the skills. So I want to give you a price break in the hopes that, you know, you and others will take advantage of it because I love working with students. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. So I figure, um, well, especially right now the holidays are coming up, but after the holidays in January, I figure, okay, yeah, we're going to do this again. So. Yep. yep. There you go. <laughs> it's available. <laughs> All right, good. Awesome, That's Mary. good to know. All right, you take care, okay? All right, thank you so much. As I said, it's just been just wonderful. It it just has. So, um I appreciate you very much. Oh, you're welcome and you were great to work with. Very willing and open. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, take care. You too, Mary. Bye-bye.